Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share an exciting opportunity with you. The Breaking Free Workshop will teach you a step-by-step guide to turn your passions into profit. Join us for a transformative experience where you'll learn how to smash through your career plateau with a personalized plan in five strategic steps, avoid common mistakes that could be holding you back, and identify critical actions for the next month to accelerate your progress toward your goals. Don't miss this opportunity to take control of your career destiny and create the lifestyle you desire. Your first workshop is free. Register now for the Breaking Free Workshop. Visit smashingtheplateau.com slash workshops for all the details. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash workshops. But I think you're right because you're in the control seat. You can't control everything, but there's always a way to learn more. And I have never been more fulfilled ever in my life or intellectually satisfied in terms of just being able to grow. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau, the podcast for corporate refugees who want to do more of what they love and get paid what they're worth. I'm David Schreiner-Khan, your guide and community builder. Smashing the Plateau is more than just a podcast. We're a community of like-minded consultants who are committed to supporting one another on our business journey. Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming Susie Rosenstein, a life coach and entrepreneur who has fearlessly navigated the tumultuous waters of midlife transitions to find joy and fulfillment in helping others do the same. In this episode, Susie shares her inspiring journey from being stuck in a career that no longer served her through the challenges of redundancy to discovering her true calling as an entrepreneur and life coach for women in their middle years. She'll reveal the creative spark that has driven her entrepreneurial ventures since childhood, from hand-lettering invitations to creating unique beaded wire head coverings that led to an incredible opportunity with the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Susie will also dive deep into the fears and misconceptions that hold so many back from pursuing their passions, especially the fear of technology and the daunting task of continuous learning in our ever-evolving digital world. If you're ready to be inspired by a story of transformation, to learn how to find clarity in what you want, and to build a roadmap to a regret-free life, then this episode is a must-listen. Get ready to embrace the wisdom that Susie Rosenstein brings to Smashing the Plateau. Now let's welcome Susie Rosenstein. Susie is a master certified life coach and host of the popular podcast for midlife women, Women in the Middle. She uses her upbeat approach about the highs and lows of aging and navigating life over 50 to help you get clear about what you really want so that you're excited about your life again. Susie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. So speaking of excited, I'm excited to have you. And let's talk about your exciting career to get us started. Well, I'll tell you, it started out exciting and then I got stuck for five years. Not so exciting. And then it got exciting again. (laughs) So what was really great is when I was stuck for five years, I ended up being laid off, which turned out to be the gift I couldn't give myself because that kind of forced my hand to do something I've wanted to do 
I don't even think I remember a time when I didn't want to do it, which was to become an entrepreneur, but I was way too afraid to do it. So once I got laid off, I had a a block of time with nothing scheduled other than figuring myself out. (laughs) So I trained to become a life coach and then realized that I didn't just want to be a life coach, but I really did want to have an online business. So it made really great sense for me to focus on this transitional point of going from stuck and confused, which happens to so many people in midlife, to figuring out what you want and getting to the other side of I'm I'm happy and fulfilled, which is so much more fun. Susie, why did you want to be an entrepreneur? Well, that's a great question. I think because I'm creative and I'm always coming up with ideas. The very first time I was an entrepreneur was when I was 12 and I was given a calligraphy set. And I don't know if you have ever played with uh, like a pen like that, where you dip into the inkwell. And I just became absolutely fascinated with lettering so much so that before I knew it, people were asking me to do invitations, like wedding invitations, bar and bat mitzvah invitations, like the addresses on the front, way before everybody had label making situations at home, you know? And so that was the first time I, I really kind of felt like an entrepreneur where I was being paid to do something. I had a service that was of interest to people and and that was really fun. And then I always seemed to have a side gig entrepreneurial thing happening in university, I discovered something called uh, Fimo, which is like a clay, and I made it into jewelry. I did that for a little while. And then when I had my first son, I have three, but when I had my first one, I had a colleague and we started brainstorming. We were both on mat leave and we both had all this creativity bursting out of us. And we came up with a baby time traveler, which was a time capsule type of product. And we did that for a while. And then as I got older, the thing that happened was more of this creativity. I started to make beaded wire head coverings for Jewish women, Akipa. And I had this little store on Etsy uh, for this hair, technically a hair accessory. And, you know, I wasn't making gobs of money, but I loved it so much. It gave me an excuse to buy beads. And I got to learn all about setting up an online store And I was really offering something that was unique. It was very creative. And it was something that certain people were looking for. They wanted things to match their outfit. They didn't want to wear a hat that would squish their hair, that sort of thing. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but always being an entrepreneur like that, just doing what you love and trying to help people and make a little bit of money along the way. It led to one of the most crazy opportunities of my life. That like if you're sitting around a table and and somebody says two truths and a lie or one of those things, nobody would ever believe that this was true. And so what happened was I was contacted by the Museum of Modern Art in New York uh, to purchase one of these hair accessories, purchase one of these kippas to be in an upcoming exhibit called Items is Fashion Modern. And if you would have told me I just, there's nothing you could have said that would have allowed me to believe that something that I made with my little, my own little hands was going to end up in an exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art. And it was there for four months. I'm listed as a MoMA artist. It was in an exhibit with 10 other ones, but mine was the only one for women. And it just shows that when you're, you have such a passion to do something, 
there's often a way to turn it into some kind of an entrepreneurial gig. And now I would say the podcast that I have is is such a creative way to be an entrepreneur. It just like it's not direct. It's more indirect the way I use it in my business. But it's been so much fun. So I think the answer to your question is creativity and being very connected to helping people is what brought me down this road. Right. And also, it sounds like you have been well aware of the value of your skills. And so you have been able to to sell your skills through services or products and have not been afraid to charge money. (laughs) Well, that came with time. (laughs) I was very afraid at the beginning. Oh my gosh, I needed a lot of coaching around that. But you said at age 12, you were you were getting work as a calligrapher and you were charging money for it. I was, that is true, but I wasn't really thinking about what it demanded. I felt like just so grateful that anybody would pay me for anything. But I got more comfortable with it the more and more I did it. And I had the same kind of struggle with anything online. And it seemed a little bit less of a struggle when it was something I manufactured, like the baby time traveler time capsule product versus something that I'm making that's coming from, you know, such a creative push, like those beaded wire hair accessories and things. But yeah, no, I did. I got really comfortable with it to an extent. But every time there's a price change in my current business, of course, there's drama. (laughs) Well, I think that's pretty natural for anybody. I think so. Yeah. So you also mentioned that you were afraid to be an entrepreneur, even though you wanted to be one. So can you talk a little bit more about the fear? Because it sounds like you've done entrepreneurial activities throughout almost your entire life. Yeah. You know what, David? That really surprised me. I don't think of myself as a fearful person in, I mean... Ziplining in Costa Rica once scared me half to death, but most of the time I don't think of myself as a fearful person. Plus I had to get rescued over 600 feet up, hanging there by myself, dangling. Let me just say that's never happening again. There'll be no more ziplining in my future. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) But when I was stuck in that five-year period, I remember it so clearly. I had a nice little office, no view, but I had an office with a door. And I just remember because five years dragged on for so long. I just remember thinking about it a lot, but I didn't have the skills. I didn't have any coaching skills. I didn't really know what to do about how to find my roadmap forward. So, but I tried my best because I'm a curious person. I have a psychology background, blah, blah, blah. And eventually I got to the point of my feeling state (laughs) and I was like, I really thought I was confused. But one day I was sitting there at my desk doodling, draw, you know, I doodle when I journal and write down my thoughts. And I was like, wow, I really think I'm scared. I don't think this is just confusion. And the first reason I was scared at that point, I had not been laid off, but I was too afraid to quit. It was really about this uh, feeling. I felt it was very indulgent to quit without a guaranteed plan forward to make money, which, you know, I know many people have that. Yes, they do. But it was such a it was such a surprise to me because I really didn't think of myself that way. I'm I think of myself and have demonstrated I'm quite resilient. I lost my parents when I was a kid. I I feel strong and that I can overcome and do hard things. 
And then so just to sit there and realize that I was really afraid. So the first fear was like, wow, I have no nerve. I, I have no, not nerve. I didn't have the nerve to do something indulgent because I was afraid of what other people would think. Wow, you're doing something without a plan. And then closely related to that thought was, and I might fail. So it was really fear of failure, fear of this idea that people would judge me for it being indulgent. And then there was one more fear. <laughs> and this fear was related to thoughts that I had aged out of, I didn't know what, but I had aged out of the ability to be successful in an entrepreneurial venture. It was something like that. So I felt that I was too old to get another job. And with all the other fears mounting around being an entrepreneur and not just, you know, making a craft or something like that, uh, it was the fear that I had aged out. Too old to do something cool and make money. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I've had similar fears around making the transition from job to being an entrepreneur. And yes, being afraid to quit is is one of the one of the common feelings. I had that one too. And yes, there are things that you hear from other people that reinforce that fear to quit. But it also strikes me like the longer that I'm an entrepreneur, the more I think it's actually easier to become an entrepreneur and to grow as an entrepreneur the older you get. And because of age discrimination, the harder it is to get another job, the older you get. I would say I agree with that, except one thing that seems to be so common with, you know, I don't want to cut it off at 50, but, you know, people at our age <laughs> is this fear of technology and the need to constantly be learning new tech for your business. So it's two parts. Like it's at least the women I talk to, there is a fear of technology. I had it too. I had to get a lot of coaching around it. I have a new thought that I think on purpose that I am learning to manage the technology I need for my business. That's my intentional thought. It does help me. I used to panic. Like I would actually start to shake if I turned on my computer and the settings were wrong for the podcast uh, recording or something like that. I just felt like completely ill-equipped because when you work in certain jobs, you've got a lot of tech support and you don't have to solve all this stuff by yourself. And then the thing is that nothing stays the same for more than a minute or two so there's always new technology you're curious about or upgrades or updates or something that that you need to make decisions about and maybe make changes with on your laptop. <laughs> and so I just find that um, that kind of thing is pretty fearful. It is There's a lot of fear for me associated with that, although I'm really learning how to manage it. And in 10 years, I've come a long way. <laughs> it's not anything I lose sleep about anymore. But I think you're right because you're in the control seat. You can't control everything, but there's always a way to learn more. And I have never been more fulfilled ever in my life or intellectually satisfied in terms of just being able to grow. I was just noticing I was employed by, you know, organizations for 27 years. And I just really felt that there was just so little continuing education available anymore with people's budgets and what was available for you to grow where at least where I where I was in many of those jobs. When I started out in the 90s, there were budgets. And then, you know, 2013 uh, was the year I got laid off and 
And that feeling of just being stagnant really fed into me aging out. I just felt like I wasn't current anymore. But with being an entrepreneur, you kind of have to stay current (laughs) or you're in trouble. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your target audience and right who you focus on helping because it mirrors your own story. It does. And I find a lot of people who end up in the self-development kind of space, especially life coaches, do that because I have, uh, you know, I, I just feel like I know this community so well. So I help women 50 plus, the 50 plus crowd. I'm 60 now. And it's really people who I, who feel like they're in the midlife sector. So it's really not an age cutoff, but it's a combination of age and stage. So it's not like, like you're retired or you're starting to be elderly. It's not that it's you're doing, you're thinking, you're grooving, you're creating, you've got lots on your mind about what you still have to contribute and what you want to contribute. For some people it's working, for some people it's making a professional contribution. But what I really help women in this phase do is get crystal clear about what they want so they can create a roadmap, which is what I was looking for, to a more fun and meaningful and what I call regret-free next chapter. So nobody wants to have regrets about what they didn't do, what they didn't say, what they didn't try. And so it's really being very intentional. The process is being very intentional about what it is you want. And the truth is that so many people, I can't speak for the men in the same way as the women, but I know there's a lot of overlap. We've been so disconnected from what we want Because for the last 20, 30 years, we've been putting everybody else first, establishing careers, establishing just like where you're living, maybe purchasing a house, getting the kids going. And so it's very easy for women just to be last, completely last on the list. And a lot of times, if you have to make a decision with limited resources, like if you had a kid who wanted to go to university versus something that you were kind of interested in, like taking a special certification or something that was $20,000, $10,000, $5,000. If you could afford it, you'd say yes to your kid with much more ease than saying yes to yourself when there's competing demands. So that goes on for quite some time. And we tend to just get very disconnected. I have so many women just say, I have no idea what I want. And that's what I felt. I had no idea what I wanted, let alone how to get there. Because for many of us, we're overachievers. We focus on productivity. And once we have a clear idea, we just tick tock, we get it done. But when you don't even have the clarity and it's bringing up all this weirdness about putting yourself first and spending money in a way that you haven't before. I remember the first time I hired a business consultant. It was $3,000 early on in my entrepreneurial life. I thought I was going to die. Like I was squirming. I remember I was walking with my husband. I was going on and on and on about it. I was maybe even harassing this woman, (laughs) writing her back and forth and back and forth. So many questions. I was so uncomfortable spending $3,000 on something that I was just thinking about her today. Like it was foundational stuff that I needed to learn about starting a business, especially online. And I didn't see it that way. I wasn't thinking about the cost not to get this education and training. I was only thinking about the financial cost. And 
struggling with it like crazy. So this is very common for women. They're also looking for more meaning. A lot of times we, like, I liked my job a lot. I liked it. I was there for 19 years, but I wanted more. I'd been there too long and I wanted more, more value-based something, a change. There's just more. And a lot of times it's difficult to identify what more means. The other thing is this thing about regrets. One of the most common reason that we have regrets is because we don't allow ourselves to be happy. And that, like the first time I realized that, like looking at research about it and stuff, I almost cried. That is so sad not to allow yourself to be happy with whatever it is, a relationship, a university program, a career direction, a trip that you really want to take for whatever reason. So getting decreasing the likelihood that you're going to have regrets. But then one of the other things that just comes up so often is people aren't having enough fun. They're just not having enough fun. So I do do a lot of work with that. And it's not just moving a big rock, like going to the Galapagos or something like that. It's also just really understanding what lights you up and being committed to bringing that in on the daily. I did a whole episode once about that, having more fun on the daily. And it's a mindset shift. And once you're open to that, you can really, you can really change things for you. How willing do you find people are to talk about some of these struggles, about not putting themselves first, about decreasing the likelihood of regrets, and about not having enough fun? I would say the people who listen to the podcast or are starting to search, I get a lot of clients from those two sources. Well, I didn't say the second source. I thought it. (laughs) I started to speak to you as if I said it. People are listening to my podcast and people find me by Google. So if you're Googling something that you want to fix, that's in the self-development kind of realm, you want to improve your life, or if you found my podcast, it's most likely a referral or it popped up as a recommendation because of something else you were listening to or you searched. If you're kind of in that space, you don't know how you're going to solve your problem, but you know that you need to do something. Like eventually there comes this epiphany that if you don't make a change, nothing will change. And one of the beautiful things that happens when I work with women, sometimes it's private. And a lot of the times it's in my group program, which is called the Women in the Middle Academy. It's a group program. So you don't have to start talking right away. There's a curriculum that supports a lot of um, reflection with prompts and some video education for that you can do in the privacy of your own home, but there's group coaching calls. And what happens is that the women who are a little farther ahead, who have done some of the work and some of the thoughts and sometimes already have been coached on some of these issues, is they're pretty comfortable talking about this vulnerable stuff. And there's an amazing shift that happens just by hearing other women, like-minded women, being open and getting coached and hearing what kind of insights they're having, it's very powerful. So even when you feel that you're alone or that you're a little nervous about sharing, right away, people are like sending you messages. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for mentioning that. I feel the same way. So there's so much support in hearing what other women are saying. It's very different than just having good friends. Good friends have a different role in your life than a coaching group. A coaching group 
you expect that you're going to hear questions and prompts to get you go deeper. Friends don't always do that. They just love you and support you. Sometimes you get questions, but in a coaching group, that's what you're there for. And also everyone in the group is dealing with the same kind of stuff. So you don't just have one person connecting. It's like really resonating with the majority. Susie, do you find that there are particular kinds of challenges for which a community environment is most suited to both addressing the challenge and getting the participants to make the changes they need to work on the solution versus reading a book, getting one-on-one coaching or some other kind of method that's not community-based? That's a great question. So I would say the book is a little different because you're not getting feedback. So you can get feedback from private coaching and you can get feedback from uh, group coaching. So the question I'm always asking when I have calls, like the, the discovery calls, I call them momentum calls. I'm always listening for any kind of a craving to be with other women, to be with community. So if they say, I don't have a good friend anymore, or I thought I would be doing all kinds of stuff with friends at this age and I'm not. If they say something like that, or if they say, I, I'm an entrepreneur, I work by myself at home, <laughs> like, like we do. And, you know, you're craving other people. So if I hear that, then I'm pretty confident that the group environment is what they want. If I don't hear that, I ask specifically, because with private coaching, you still get feedback and there's still a very strong relationship that develops between a client and a coach very connected. So I would say if that's something that people are craving, and one other thing, you need to commit to your calendar when it comes to a group. Like you need to see the calls, the dates of the calls and write them in. You need to look at the curriculum or whatever you're working through and decide when you're going to consume it, when you're going to work on it. So that's another thing. It's a little different with private coaching. Of course, you need to write down the date and and show up, but it's not, at least the way the work that I do, it's not on a strict schedule. So you have to decide how you want to participate in the group, how you want to show up in the group. Uh, So that's a little bit different too. Um, But if you are looking for connection with like-minded people, a group's a great way to go. And I'm I'm a part of, well, that's how we met. I'm a part of several groups, paid communities and free communities. And I think it's really important because, you know, post-COVID, we're still not getting out as much as we used to. And I miss people. And the nice thing about a group is you don't always have to talk to get something out of the group. You can still just connect. Right. We all have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Susie, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to mention before we close out? Well, I'll just say this. I think that one of the main motivators for me doing this work that like it's a core thing that that keeps me moving in this direction is that I know firsthand the importance of believing that aging is a gift. So I've outlived both of my parents. My mother died when I was five. She was only 31. My father died when he was 41. I was only 12. And so I saw firsthand that aging is a privilege and not everybody has it. And so when I meet so many people who 
they don't even know that they don't believe this, but if there's like a negative cloud in their life about this, this chapter, it's often uh, related to thoughts that they have about aging that they may not even know what they believe. And this is just a fundamental one. But if you believe that aging is a privilege, aging is a gift, that's very different than aging is a drag. Aging is scary. Aging is like stepping on landmines. <laughs> and I'm not arguing that sometimes those things, uh, that, that is way, where we go. But overall, I really do believe that it is a gift and that we need to be in the present moment and and really focus on, you know, what's still available to us and what we can do instead of what we can't do. So that I think is my why. And as an entrepreneur and just anybody who who wants to think intentionally about their life, it's so important to understand what your why is and be intentional about the direction that you want to go. So that's really important to me. And that's really been the basis of the podcast, Women in the Middle, Loving Life After 50. And so that's the thing I'd like to offer. I have a freebie that's a podcast bundle. It's a Get Unstuck Midlife Podcast Bundle that basically highlights 12 popular episodes that give you the breadth of the issues going on for women in midlife. And it's free and it's easy to consume. And you can just head over to freepodcastbundle.com and it'll come to your email in no time flat. Sounds great. And Susie, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or access other resources that you might have, where's the best place to go? I would go to my website at susierosenstein.com. That's S-U-Z-Y rosenstein.com. And there is a link on there that says free. I mean, not a link, like a tab. And I have some really great resources there, some worksheets. There's a really popular one there about um, helping you figure out your passion project. But there is a lot to offer there. You could just go and have fun. Also on Instagram, it's um, Instagram, the midlife coach underscore Susie. But I play the most on Facebook, which is the midlife coach. Susie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share a little bit about who you are and your insights. My guest today has been midlife possibility master life coach Susie Rosenstein. Thank you again, Susie, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Making the leap from the corporate career track to entrepreneurial business ownership can be done more effectively when you follow a system. In our Breaking Free workshop, you'll learn the five steps to smash your plateau, craft a weekly progress plan, and avoid common mistakes. This workshop is for dreamers, risk takers, and those ready to accelerate their business journey. Your first workshop is free. Visit smashingtheplateau.com slash workshops for details and to secure your spot in the next workshop. Don't miss out on this opportunity for a career transformation. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash workshops. Join us on our next episode of Smashing the Plateau for more wisdom from industry leaders. Until then, keep striving, keep believing, and keep smashing.